podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Trey Strelko from the Sons of UCF, joined by Eric Lopez of the Black and Gold Banneret. Welcome to Around the Kingdom. You know who's getting 1% better every day? This guy, Elo. Hello. Trace, hello. It's a big week, big football week, and I know you're getting ready to travel to Norman. I, I don't know why, but I, I have this mood to give you some UCF socks that you might take with you. I don't know why I'm bringing that I up. can't imagine why you have a prop for this week's show. Uh, before we get into all of that, let's welcome in the third member of this team, Adam Eaton from the Sons of UCF, keeping a watch on the clock and on us and what we get right and wrong. Adam, hello. Greetings, gentlemen. I think I'm 1% worse this week because... Uh, I don't have a good feeling about this game, but I'm hoping you two can uh, can talk me into feeling some positivity. So I'm going to sit back and wait for a smile to crack across my face. Would socks right. do any good for you, Adam? <laughs> Not so much. Uh, we'll catch up with you in a few, Adam. All right, so no traditional what went right, what went wrong last week. UCF coming off the bye week. And is there really any sense to get into a deep dive and previewing a game which UCF is nearly a three-touchdown underdog? You, with a good article at the Black and Gold Banneret talking about the many storylines in this game. So let us begin with this. Is this a bigger game for Gus or JRP, Elo? Trace Trelko, this game is the biggest football game in John Rice Plumley's career here at UCF, by far. Uh, what is, you know, you la- asked on Suns Live last week to Brandon Helwig of UCFsports.com, what is John Rice Plumley's legacy? I don't think we know that, especially on a football front. His best performance is what? A regular season game against Tulane? All he's been known for in the football is the quarterback debate and injuries. This is the biggest team he's going to play. The guy that he's facing, that quarterback, the opposite field, is basically the guy he's replaced, okay, in part. He's there in part because the guy that's playing, he's playing against left. This is the biggest game in John Rice Plumley. This game will go in, in a lot of ways, define his legacy. If he plays a great game, I think a lot of UCF fans will become will be huge fans and will remember this performance. If he struggles, oh, it could be a little negative out there. I get your point, but no matter what happens this season, John Rice Pumley has what six max seven games remaining. That is if he is healthy for those games we have seen during his tenure with UCF. That is not likely. This is all on Gus Malzahn. He has a lot to play for in this game. It's a benchmark. He doesn't have Dylan Gabriel, as you mentioned. His record now, 21 and 12 in two and a half seasons. And you know what it's looked like over the last 10, 11 games. And his future, not his future, but his legacy to this point, tied, tethered to John Rice Plumley, And it was his decision to continue to back him, even when perhaps the results or the injury status, we all know what happened in Kansas. I think that this is big on Gus, keeping the fan base Perhaps, Elo, keeping the locker room, if this team falls to three and four with what's at stake the rest of the games, all about Gus in this one. Yeah, but so what? If they lose this game big, he's still going to be here. He's going to be here next year. He's going to be here the year after, as we'll get into later. John Rice Plumley, this is it. This is the biggest game, probably the most viewed UCF football game this season. He has to perform well. You look at a Mikey Keene. He's very popular because he beat Florida in the Gasparilla Bowl. Ryan Schneider. You were there when he had his legacy game against Alabama. That's what he's known for. This could be John Rice Plumley's 
version if he comes out and knocks off Dylan Gabriel in Oklahoma. But if he struggles and Dylan Gabriel plays well, people are going to be like, what are we doing at the quarterback room? I, to me, it's just John Rice Plumlee is a bigger brand. Yeah, well, what are we doing at the quarterback room? What are we doing, period? That is on Gus Malzahn. And increasingly, the pressure, I know, he's got the long-term contract, which we're going to talk about, but where is he going with this program? And it's trending down, especially in the first year of Big 12. More pressure on Gus Malzahn to get a win than John Rice Plumlee. It's just year one for Gus. He's going to be here a while. Uh, of course, I mentioned Dylan Gabriel. Oh, yeah, did you know Trace that UCF's facing Dylan Gabriel this week? I don't know if you heard it. I've heard it. It was in an article. Cheap plug. Cheap why, plug. Did you, why did you mention that? Uh, the black and gold banner. Yeah. I wrote banner. on blackandgoldbanneret.com. You can read it right now about use the history. UCF facing former UCF quarterback Dylan Gabriel and former UCF offensive coordinator Jeff Lebby. I go into the storyline details. Trace, who is this game bigger for? Is it bigger for Dylan Gabriel or Jeff Lebby? Bigger for Dylan Gabriel opportunity to get a little revenge uh, get a little back at UCF he's thrown 16 touchdowns two interceptions five on the ground there's a Heisman campaign that surrounds him this is a team ranked sixth in the polls a national championship contender if he stumbles against UCF bye-bye to any Heisman consideration bye-bye perhaps to a national championship even if they win that game a lot of spotlight on Dylan Gabriel. You know he wants to light things up, which is scary after you've seen what you've seen of UCF's defense. Uh, you know that he is aiming for a big game. So it's more about him than Jeff Levy. He is the face of that Oklahoma program right now. This game is bigger for Jeff Levy for multiple reasons. First of all, Jeff Levy wanted the UCF job badly. The worst secret kept when that job was open. He basically reached out to alums and players to campaign for him on social media. Uh, but he's also, this is a bigger game for him because he has to perform every game because of his baggage. Trace, as I wrote on blackandgobanneret.com, his father-in-law is Art Bryles. There are people at Oklahoma that don't like the fact that he's on the staff. There was a big uh, controversy in the Oklahoma home game against SME earlier this year because Art Bryles was on the in the on the field in the pregame. There were people in Oklahoma that wanted him fired then. He, he had to apologize. He has to perform. If they struggle against this UCF defense, people are going to be pointing the fingers at Jeff Levy, not Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, but why would they be struggling against this UCF defense? That would mean a subpar performance by Dylan Gabriel, right? There's no way he can throw those rainbow touchdown passes, have a couple of through the air, a couple on the ground and this team fall to UCF. So I think, again, I think there's more pressure uh, and more opportunity for Dylan Gabriel to shine. He has a good game. He's going to carry Lebby in this one, and I don't think it's the reverse. Unless Lebby gets too cute and tries to air it out 40, 50 times against a defense that has been struggling against the run, does the ego get in the way of the play calling, or does he do the right thing and try to win the game? That's why I think there's more scrutiny on Jeff Levy. Obviously, it's a big game for Dylan Gabriel. You're not wrong in what you're saying. This is the job Jeff Levy wants and wanted. And he wants to hey say, hey, you know what? You went with Gus. Watch this. It's going to be interesting. UCF better be ready. <laughs> is UCF ready, which transitions into our next topic, Elo. We know the Baylor debacle from a couple of weeks ago. Could a win over Oklahoma, sixth-ranked Oklahoma, save the season, salvage the season for these UCF Knights? Absolutely it would. I think a lot of UCF fans would be thrilled. This is it. This is the biggest game. This is bigger than any potential bowl game if UCF plays in a bowl game. 
If this you, is the bowl game. This is the bowl game. I agree. If they were to beat Oklahoma, I would argue now this is the biggest upset win in UCF football program history in the Division One era. Think about it. They've only had three wins in the uh, since they've been a Division One member against top ten opponents. Two of them came in the bowl game. Baylor, ironically, with Art Bryles, that's where I think they were about a 17-point underdog. I don't remember. We can double-check that. And then, of course, the Auburn game, which was, of course, Auburn's head coach with Gus Malzahn. The regular season, the only regular season top 10 win they had was against at Louisville and Teddy Bridgewater in 2013 when UCF came back 27. If they were to knock Oklahoma off, spoil Dylan Gabriel's season, I think a lot of UCF fans would be able to say, you know what, that was worth it. It, it erases the bad taste of the loss to Kansas and certainly the blow the, the blown lead against Baylor. Uh, so many ifs. I should have counted ifs in that. I'm not sure that it makes up for – I mean, you were arguing that the Baylor lost the worst loss in program history, so you're going to cancel that out or, or, or it, it balances out with what you would then argue is the best win in program history. One of the best, yeah. I would say this, though. You don't know how the rest of the season plays out. It makes up a lot of ground. And that would be typical Gus Malzahn, right? That he gets a surprise win after losing a game that the, the Knights should have won against Baylor. I think it makes up some ground, but nothing takes away. And it wasn't the worst loss ever for me. You know, I mentioned 64-12 and Tampa as the one that felt the worst to me. But don't forget all the storylines that were around that Baylor game, all of the pomp and circumstance that week, honoring that uh, team that beat Baylor, uh, the the first conference game, and all the scoring uh, on the first play, having the big lead. Ah, Trace, do you remember they how they need to get this upset? And but they shut up beat Dylan the quarter. That's the point. Ah. Dylan Gabriel basically, depending on who you ask, maybe quit in that 2021 season. Go watch our time, UCF football. Everybody thought he was going to come back at the end of that season. Did not. Uh, did everybody think that? No. I think some did. Some did. Some that did. series did. And look, I, it worked out for him because if he doesn't if he doesn't redshirt that year, he's not he's not playing this year. He's not playing. So it, it worked out for him. He made the right decision for himself. But I'm telling you, a lot of UCF fans would take pleasure if he lost this game. And look, you've been a big defender of the win against Alabama. I'd argue this win would be bigger and more impressive than the Alabama win, because this Oklahoma team is way better than the Alabama team in 2000, by far. Oh, there's no doubt about that, but let's see what happens on Saturday, high noon Eastern time in Norman, Oklahoma. A tall task for these Knights uh, to come out of there with a victory. You think he's still selling socks? <laughs> yes. Anyway. Yes. Well, one guarantee I will make for you right now, Trace. Put it on pen and paper. No matter what the result is this Saturday. Gus Malzahn will be still coaching UCF the rest of the year and beyond. It was, I don't know if you heard, his big contract extension came out last week. We now have details of it. Trace, what stands out to you about the Gus's contract extension? Ah, uh, he's mighty expensive, Elo. On paper, certainly it makes sense. All the reasons to extend his contract, despite the naysayers. You want to secure your recruits, show continuity in the program. Boy, but buying this guy out, more than they spend on salaries for everybody else. Uh, he's not going anywhere. And all this talk, you're, fans, you're just going to drive yourself crazy no matter what happens against Oklahoma, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, the rest of this season. You're going to drive yourself crazy calling for Gus Malzahn's head. Not going anywhere, going to go when he wants to go on his own terms. But they certainly sweeten the pot for him and uh, continues to link him and Terry Mahajer. 
uh, together. You know, we're talking about JRP and, and Gus's fate and his reputation. Boy, now Timo and Gus linked together. As Gus goes, Terry Mahajer goes. It's a big commitment. I mean, man, that buyout is slightly a little bit more than my buyouts. Get out of UCF softball broadcast. That's a whole other story. You know what jumps out at me? He's getting going to make get paid $1.7 million to basically to do media obligations? 1.7? Is that how much it costs to talk to people like you, Trace? Do I need to renegotiate my deal with Around the Kingdom? Do I need to raise the profile financially here? How can you? 1.7 million. How does that come out? How does anybody keep track of how much media does he have to do? Certain amount of media that kind of blows me away. Uh, we can keep track of how much he does a week. It's 15 minutes on a Monday, seven to ten minutes following a game, and the hour with Mark Daniels once a week. So can we get Brian we put w. It together. Can we get Brian W. Peterson to like calculate all that? That's wild to me. Uh, the incentives. Also, what do you think of the incentives that he would make based on how many big plays and where they rank offensively? I've never seen that before. Uh, I don't mind all of that. I just think that the buyout provisions are a lot. and He's still making money from Auburn. His agent, though, credit to his agent. He yeah. is the winner out of everyone, right, as is the Malzahn family. The, the agent is doing great. The agent's getting paychecks from multiple employers. So yeah, that Jimmy, is huge. Jimmy Sexton, if, you, Jimmy Sext, if you watch around the kingdom, I, I, I'm open. To, I'd, be, I'd love you to represent me, please. We could, uh, I could use the help there. But I will say this. You're right. This was, and let's clear the record here. This was agreed to in the summer. Okay. Cause some people have this idea that this happened last week or a couple of weeks ago after the Baylor game. No, this was done in the summer and whatever, for a million reasons we don't have time to get into. They chose not to uh, announce it. It was leaked basically, but here's why it's a good move. You have that consistency and the recruits know that Gus is going to be here. And in college football, you need a coach that can bring the material and the talent to be uh, compete in the big 12. And, Obviously, Terry Mahajer believes that is Gus Melzahn. Now, which coaches are with him next year? Nah, that one will be subject to some conversation. Let's bring back in Adam Eaton. Time for a silly game. And do we have any props in terms of a stiff drink at this point in the show? Uh, we need one. And if I do that, I'm going to call Sultry Spirit, Trace, because they can add a touch of magic to your next event. They will take your party to the next level. Let's say maybe you're having a watch party at Saturday at 12 noon and you think it's going to be a rough one and you want some creative cocktails served up by some really world-class bartenders. I might call Sultry Spirit because they're a mobile bartending service. They have all of your needs. Again, party, corporate event, tailgate, whatever you want. Their talented bartenders will shake up the perfect drinks to keep the good times flowing. You can follow them at Instagram uh, at the Sultry Spirit or call 941-567-7062. Again, Instagram at the Sultry Spirit or 941-567-7062. You're going to talk to Miles. He is a UCF alum. He'll be happy to hear from you. You let him know you heard about him from the Suns and from around the kingdom. 10% off and a special gift. So make that call today. I would make it soon because I'm going to be calling Miles at 12.01 having to bring the old mobile cart on by the old house here. So you might want to, might want to get in front of me by calling 941-567-7062 with the sultry spirit. All right, guys. Still game time. Are we ready? Eric, I'm sorry with you. Offense and defense. First half of the year. I need your MVP. Who's your offensive MVP through six games? Who's your defensive MB MVP through six games? I got to award somebody? Really? Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> I would say offensively, I would probably go, cool. I'm going to go, this is hard, man. We, did you see the, the last five quarters were hard to predict here, but I think def defensively, I'm going to go Walker, and then offensively, uh, 
I'm going to go Xavier Townsend. It's not his fault he doesn't get more touches. Yeah, fair enough, Trace. Uh, struggle. I can't go off the board with a special teams player. I got to stick to <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't know that was allowed. Uh, Traymon Morris Brash on defense uh, and um, a running back. Uh, not, not Xavier. He disappears at times. Uh, on it's the not his fault. I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm just saying. Okay, actually, I'm going to change my answer. Johnny Richardson. Every time he touches the ball, good things happen. Give him the MVP. And as I was about to say, Johnny <laughs> Richardson, uh, we're in agreement. Troy Morris Brash, uh, 12 and a half tackles for loss. Johnny Richardson's second leading rusher on the team behind RJ Harvey, who's actually the leading rusher. All right. How many fumbles is- has uh, Johnny Richardson had versus RJ Harvey? I think it's two two nil in favor of RJ at this point, but I'll I'll, I'll check that. That will for be you. the deciding factor. In that. All right, this is a ranking situation, Trace. I got four things for you. I need you to rank them in order of best to worst. All right, rank the current coaches in the state of Florida from the Big Four schools from one to four. Who's the best of the Big Four schools, and who's on the bottom? Cristobal oh, uh, four. Okay. Um, can I do a tie? Can I do if a tie? you must. Gus and Napier tied, and oh, Mike Norvell, number one. My, my how the tables have turned, Eric Lopez. Rank the big four coaches in the state of Florida. I'm going Mike Norvell, number one. He has built Florida State. I'm going to go Gus, two. I'm going Cristobal, three. I understand wow. why he's lower, but what has Billy Napier done at Florida? Like, they're just barely – he's not going to be they there. They beat South Carolina. Now. Is he going to be there? He's not going to be there a year from now. He knelt the ball. I mean <laughs> – I'm sure, he's, I'm sure he's had a victory formation at least once this year, Eric. Just barely. Yeah. At least once. All right. Okay. So Gus avoids the bottom spot for both of you. That's interesting. All right. Last one. Check. I'll ask again next week. I lot of doesn't say a lot for the state. What do you want? Alex Golish is throwing? I mean, That's why I said big four. All right. Because Tom, because Herman. Tom Herman. Tom Herman may be on that list. All right. Uh, the question that is Rock Night Nation this week, and I, I need to come to you two for the arbiter of what to do. Eric, I'll start with you. John Rice Plumley, beard or no beard? Oh, I'm not answering this. No beard. No beard. I mean, it's, you know, unless, I mean, although look, if he has his best game of his career with the beard, he's got to stay with it. Now you can't go back. Once you, once you perform, you can't go back. So, you know, make you, he's going to play. He's going to keep it. He better as well play well. If not, then get rid of it. I'm not answering that. Chris, right, you, you don't have to answer this. This, this is, is the yeah. brace or no brace. You don't have a buyout enough, Trace, to not answer this question. <laughs> I don't care. I don't what care. Do you not care. This is the biggest I get three questions at the uh, presser, and I'm not wasting them on beard or no beard. <laughs> okay, no, I'm not. I, I say beard. That's a breach right. of contract, I think. There, Adam. <laughs> Adam, thank you. See you in a few. All right, Elo. Like to sometimes weave in questions from uh, our fans. And thanks so much uh, for everyone who watches around the kingdom. We appreciate it. As you like to say, you love fastest show in the UCF sports landscape. This from black gold underscore Ed, every coach we've had before Gus did more with less. Can Gus be successful with that, with less than sec level talent? No, because no coach would be successful with less talent now in the big 12. That's the difference. I don't think George O'Leary would be successful in the Big 12 if he didn't have talent up to par to this league. So uh, I don't think that's the case for any coach. I think everybody needs talent. You look at, you know, you make fun of Mario Cristobal. One of the reasons I still rank him high is because he will get talent. Miami's improved talent-wise. Whether they're coached well or not, who knows? Ed Orgeron won a national title at LSU. Trace, he's not the greatest X's and O's guy. 
you need talent to win in college football more than X's and O's, and Gus can bring that talent. That's been proven with his recruiting uh, history. Well, he's brought in a lot of talent through the transfer portal, especially this season, and whiffed on quite a few of those. So also, and you mentioned George O'Leary, what was O'Leary best known for? Coaching up guys, right? Those three-star guys and getting them into the NFL. Are we going to see that from Gus? I, and, and, and I would ask this question, uh, Black Gold underscore Ed, even with SEC-level talent, can Gus win? Remember back at the start of the season when we were doing our record predictions, I said Gus was good for four losses right off the top. A loss at Oklahoma would be that fourth loss with games to go on the season. So I'm not entirely sure. He can bring in the talent. Can he and his staff coach it up? I'm not sure. Did you not think he did a good job in 2021 with the rash of injuries to get him to the wins and, and the bowl win against Florida? I, I think he has won double-digit wins. Is he the best coach in college football? No. But, I mean, how many are there? There's not a lot of Nick Sabans out there, Trace. There's not. How about this playoff Adams question of O'Leary, Frost, Heupel, Malzahn? Rank them. Oh, geez, we're taking material. You know my stance on this. I'm taking fr the guy that's been undefeated as a head coach with win wins wise without a loss, and that's Scott Frost. He brought good talent out there. I would put him one. I'd put George two to equal his two uh, winless seasons, and then I'm going to go Gus only because Josh won. I, that program was in decline by the time he left. I think he's a he might be a win hit wonder. We're seeing this already in Tennessee trades. Gus fourth. Hypo Whoa. took that team over from Frost, led him to the Fiesta Bowl, and had to maneuver around uh, injury situations, uh, KZ. He wanted him gone by the end of the, his run there. Well, that's different. I, I, that's We're talking about full body of work. He <laughs> wanted him gone, but hey, I, I liked him better. Than <laughs> I, I liked him slightly more than Gus this week. That's a great endorsement. Check, check back on that question again next week. <laughs> All right. Uh, of course, Many UCF fans are hoping that Gus can lead UCF to contending for the Big 12. That may not happen this year. The question, though, is, Trace, is there a team out there that's maybe the big threat to Oklahoma and Texas and be the third best team in the league? Because it seems like everybody's beating everybody. Well, I think you got to look at this league and lob off half of them are out of contention, including all the newbies, right? They're gone. Uh, you know, this Big 12 title game has never featured a team with more than two losses. So you got to look at it like that, right? I think Kansas State still remains interesting to me in the mix. But as you said, these teams beat each other up. So anybody could slip into that spot. And certainly Texas wants to angle its way back in. Of course, you picked Kansas State. Who They just won at Lubbock there. I see where you're doing there. I see what you're doing. A rash of injuries for the Red Raiders. Oh, derailed their season, Elo. Derailed them. Huh? Okay, fair. Uh, I'm going to go, God, am I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it might be Oklahoma State. You know, Mike Gundy always seems to find They've rebounded. a way. They've rebounded. It seems like they got a quarterback. They beat Kansas. They've beaten Kansas State. I know there could be different on the road, but I think Oklahoma State, they do host Oklahoma. It will, will be the last bedlam. If you're looking for an upset alert for Oklahoma, that could be it. Might be Oklahoma State, I think, with the track record of Mike Gundy. I, I don't feel great about it, but I think that might be it. Uh, your Kansas State pick ain't wrong either. They're pretty good, decent. Kansas, are we ever going to see Daniels play quarterback? I don't you – know, that's the question. I, I don't know. You think – so, so let's take Oklahoma State. You mentioned Kansas State. I mentioned – name somebody else off the board there uh, that could surprise, that could find its way there in that, Boy, that that's championship not, I mean, game. 
you know, it's weird as it sounds, they got off to a terrible start. Iowa State, you know, can Matt Campbell steal some victories and cause some havoc? I mean, I'm reaching here. I think the Big 12 title game, it's either going to – it's Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State. I think I would be stunned if it wasn't two of those four teams, to be honest. I, I think those are the four teams. I, I wanted to like West Virginia, but they blew the game against Houston in ridiculous ways. It ain't Houston. Cincinnati is terrible. Uh, it ain't us. So. No, I don't think so. I nah. think they're in rebuild mode. I don't think this is a strong year for the league, and that's what's frustrating right about UCF a little bit here because there's no guarantee this league is going to get weaker in the fact it might get stronger in the future look at quietly what Arizona's doing there Jed Fish they're that's a good football team Colorado is going to be better I mean it's Utah Utah is a perennial power the Big 12 is going to be actually I think stronger depth wise next year UCF coming off of uh, media days for men's and women's basketball now in Kansas City for uh, Big 12 media days uh, the preseason prediction. Shocker, Elo, breaking, in case you missed it, 14th in each for men and women. What were your takeaways from media day? Is there a little glimmer of hope? Um, Kansas, by the way, your preseason number no. one in men's basketball, and UCF will welcome them into the dungeon. Oh, well, you mentioned that Big 12 media days going on in Dallas. How much local media we got representing over there, right? We got like, like big representatives. Hey, who's there from the black and gold banneret? Who's there for sons? Uh, no. Hey, we're here. <laughs> That's right. We had a we had a commitment, right? Uh, look, I I will say this about the media day. They're saying all the right things, and what I will say about Johnny Dawkins is C.J. Walker. He has built this team. This is the new college basketball. You're going to have new faces every year with rosters. Just the way it is. It's not just a UCF issue thing. It's a college basketball thing. If Darius Johnson's healthy, C.J. Walker's healthy, and the guy that I'm intrigued by, Trace is Tyler Hendricks, the brother of Taylor, who told me, look, he saw firsthand Taylor Hendricks basically go through the NBA you know, trial and jury, basically what the NBA is looking for. He has all that information and that da data. He's healthy. I think he could have a good year. I think this might be a nice, t a, a good team that will defend. The problem is, Trace, it probably won't show in the win-loss record because you're playing in the most difficult conference in college basketball which is as deep as any league in the sport. Heck, it's deeper than probably the Eastern Conference in the NBA. Chemistry, so many new guys, 10 new guys. How do they come together? They may have a good starting five, but how does it look after that? And, Elo, is it possible this team could be better than the team last year but have not anything better to show for it? Agreed. In fact, I might zip. We'll see what we do our basketball preview. I don't think they're going to finish last in the Big 12. That's my little tease on my prediction there. Uh, Anything they do above 14th is exceeding expectations. And we put that on record. All right, let's put that on record. I feel like every year we always do these preseason uh, expectations for basketball, and then by the end of the year we forget about them and get disappointed when they reach it. So I don't know. You, you, you have to explain that one, Trace. I don't know. Anyway, we got plenty of time for basketball. Uh, still going on. Olympic sports. UCF men's soccer still number two after a, two goals from Luca Dorado in the win over ODU. UCF Volleyball ranked in the top 25 for the first time this year. They come in at 24. They got a big top 25 showdown at Baylor this weekend. Women's soccer beat Cincinnati. Congrats to Caroline Delisle, the all-time leader in shutouts. And UCF women's soccer history for a goalkeeper. That's a big deal when you consider their legacy. But they're still on the bubble as they get ready to play top 10 BYU next Monday. Trace, what stands out to you? 
Shorter segment this round, Elo. I will say this. It stayed pretty consistent. The men are in good position to close out strong. Volleyball schedule about to get really real, and we'll see how they fare. They really only need a couple of wins down the stretch to find themselves in a good position for postseason in the NCAA. And the injuries have taken their toll on women's soccer, so they're kind of limping to the finish line. It's been kind of consistent these last couple of weeks, but all in all, I think for the first year in these leagues, these teams have done well. We've talked a lot about men's soccer, so I'm going to give them a week off here and talk about volleyball. It gets real now. Their final 11 matches are against teams in the top 46 RPI. I think they got to go at least four and seven in that 11-game stretch to lock up an NCAA tournament a bid. Uh, they're going to learn because they got to build up that resume. I think that's pivotal. This Baylor match this weekend is huge. I think they got a shot to get a split there. That would be huge if they could start there. Women's soccer next Monday at BYU. If they can get a result, a win upset there, I think that's enough to get them into the field. Chris Henderson, who covers women's soccer, has them as the last team out this week. They need a result there. They have locked up a spot in the Big 12 tournament. If they don't beat BYU, then they're going to have to do some damage in the Big 12 tournament. All right, good times. Let's bring back in Adam. Adam, what we get right, what we get wrong? I'm glad you asked, Trace. Here's what I got for you. You mentioned a little bit about UCF and playing Oklahoma. They want to throw the ball around, which is fine, but UCF is giving them 284 yards on the ground on the road, which is not good. Oklahoma's not leading rusher, yeah, Marcus Major only has 226 yards all season, so something has to give there. Uh, Elo, you were correct. The UCF-Baylor point spread was 17 points. UCF underdog on that one. You mentioned Gus Malzahn's contract buyout. According to the Orlando Sentinel, 75% of the contract is owed at the time of Gus's dismissal. If not for cause, that could be a pretty penny, obviously, at that point. Big 12, who's the third team? Eric, you were on this something with Iowa State. They're actually right now, technically speaking, second in the league. They're 3-1 and one in conference. Here's their final five games. Baylor, Kansas, BYU, BYU, Texas, and Kansas State. So, Maybe they got a chance to make some noise there. We'll see how that uh, shapes out. And I'm embarrassed to tell you both you forgot one of the biggest accomplishments of all time today. UCF offensive line was named as one of 23 schools on the Joe Moore midseason honor roll. Joe Moore is a regarded as a highly touted offensive line coach. So the offensive line for UCF, one of the top 23 in the nation, according to the Joe Moore voters. Congratulations, guys. Throw out the rundown. Thank you, Adam. One more thing. Noon it is. That is homecoming against West Virginia, Elo. Back on FS1, maybe without announcers. And Shaq DJing very early, maybe around 8 a.m. Team arrives at 10. Going to be an early one. Get the mimosas uh, ready for that one. Look for new episodes midweek, every week on the Sons of UCF YouTube channel, also on the Sons podcast feed. We thank Adam and for Eric Lopez. I'm Trace Trolko. Thank you for being with us for Around the Kingdom. Sports Social Podcast Network.